Jam Session is a podcast where two guys who grew up in Dallas-Fort Worth discuss sports, craft beer, life, and their experiences living in one of America's most vibrant cities. If you love sports, you're going to love this show. If you love craft beer or you're curious about it, you'll love this show. Great conversations with good friends is what Jam Session is all about. Welcome. It's nice to have you here. I hope you enjoy it. I think you will. You're listening to the Jam Session Podcast. I was told that I could listen to the radio at a reasonable volume. With Cowboys insider... What's your name? Jean-Jacques Taylor. That's my name. Radio personality and craft beer expert, Matt McLaren. He's a very strange young man. He's an idiot. Comes from upbringing. And now, the Jam Session Podcast. It is indeed Jam Session. Subscribe, rate, and review. Hang out with us for a while. Right here on the Jam Session Podcast. Sponsored by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle so you have time for healing and renewal. Also sponsored, of course, by Hector Flores with Modern Woodman of America, a fraternal financial organization that can help you plan for your family's future right now. The moment we've all been waiting for has arrived. Ladies and gentlemen, the radio, TV, and now podcast are the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. What up, Doc? I would be the non-sexy one, Matt McLaren. And this, my friends, is Jam Session, the podcast version 162, asking simply that you prepare to be dazzled. If not entertained. <laughs> <laughs> Jacques was on his phone. Yeah, I just got an interesting text message. I was responding to it, so I apologize. People. No, it's okay. We could all tell because we heard the noise. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> See, this is what this is what I love about the podcast because I always feel like you know what our intro is fairly the same every time. <laughs> but if you just fast forward through it, all of you that didn't. You're laughing your ass off. Like, we're all enjoying this moment together. Those of you that did fast forward through it are like, wait, what? And now you've gone back to re-listen to what you just missed. Yeah, this is this is Matt's way of saying I, I give y'all a couple every week. Couple, yeah. You know, you try. <laughs> That's what makes it fun, man. And it was fun tonight. It, it, this is, you guys know, we are going to break down this this game, the offense, the defense, the Cooper Rush, the no Dak Prescott, all of it. The 6-1 and one Dallas Cowboys that are right there at the top of the NFC. We're going to get into all that. I mean, we're going to spend an hour plus talking about every angle we can. But we wouldn't be able to do that if it wasn't for Hector Flores with Modern Woodman of America. And so when we ask you guys, you know, we talk to you about our sponsors it, it, it means a lot because our sponsors help to make this possible. It helps to, I mean, we're recording this. It's almost midnight on Sunday night. And our sponsors are the ones that make this possible. And Hector is a big, big part of that. He's with Modern Woodman of America. His number is 940-453-3490. If you have reached a point in your life where you have a family, or maybe you don't, and you're sitting there going, man, you know what? I want to make sure that at some point I don't have to work my ass off anymore. Like, how do I retire? What does that mean? What is this 401k that my company, what, what I, I don't, how does it work? I don't know, man. Call Hector. Hector knows how it works. Hector can help you. Basically what he does is he, he's going to lay out a plan for you. He's going to help you plan for you and your family's future. And the best part of it is it's non-fee based. It costs nothing. It costs you 
nothing to meet with him for him to lay that out for you. Dude, the best thing about it is, man, he'll do, check this out, people, whatever you want him to do. You want to go conservative? Hey, he'll go conservative and show you a plan to get you where you're trying to go. Hey, you want to be uber aggressive, take advantage of the stock market. He'll show you a plan that takes you there. Um, if, it, if it's about saving long term because you're in your 20s, he could do that. If it's about making a bunch of money now because you're in your 50s and you're trying to retire in a few years, he can help you do that. Whatever you want to do, Hector can help you get there. You just got to tell him what you want and then follow his advice. That's exactly the way to do it. 401ks, stocks and bonds, a variety of other things. I mean, again, I'm just telling you the terms that I've heard, like when my when my friends that have already done this go, hey, we're going to talk about this. And I go, Haha, diversify. And I think I'm cool. I don't know, man. Hector knows. Hector can help you to talk that lingo because Hector can plan that for you. It's Hector Flores with Modern Woodman of America. 940-453-3490. Again, 940-453-3490. It costs nothing to meet with him. Hector Flores with Modern Woodman of America. Also, of course, and I've been telling you about these guys for a while, Robert Greening and his green team, the attorneys at Greening Law. If you've been hurt in a car accident like me, I will tell you this. When I had my car accident, when I got out of the car, I, the pain that I felt, and I'm a, I'm, Jacques knows this. I'm a guy that ignores pain. Yep. I, I'm a guy that goes, ah, this is no big deal. And I tried to do that, and I kept having these, these moments, the, like these bursts of pain that I can't even explain to you. And the paramedics come over, like, dude, you need to go to the emergency room. I was like, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. I'm fine. It was like, like I, it, it was weird. And part of the reason why I didn't want to go to the emergency room is because I knew the type of money that that's going to cause. I didn't want to deal with all that. And then it hit me like in the midst of all this, I was like, you know what? This is where I, I need to call Robert Greening because he'll help me. He can deal with all this crap. Like he can deal with the bills and, and the insurance company calling and you owe us this and you, he can help me and it doesn't cost me anything to call him. He didn't take my case because we do the podcast. Oh, no. He took my case because I had a case where he he analyzed it, and they go through whatever, and they ask me a few questions. cost me nothing to pick up the phone and call him. I think that's the point where I always try to make. Whenever you have one of these, whether it's a workplace thing, a business accident, you know, whatever, it doesn't cost a thing to call the green team and see if they can help you because yep. this is all they do. They listen to your facts, and they say, hey, either we can help you, or we wish we could help you, but we can't. Uh, good luck to you. Uh, and then if they do help you, they bring on as client, as Matt will tell you and has told you, they don't get paid unless you get paid. And so they work hard for you because they're trying to get paid. That's exactly right, man. It's Robert Greening, his green team. They fight that legal battle for you, literally, so that you can just focus on how do I get my body back? How do I heal? How do I get renewed? They let you focus on that, and they take care of that That fight against the insurance companies. That's, that's what it is. What are you waiting for? Consultations are free. 972-934-8900. 972-934-8900. Call them now. It's Robert Greening, Office, Dallas, Texas. Let's get into this, man, because I, I feel like we need to do this game, like how it played out for everybody. Right, right. So let's go back to about kickoff is what? 720 Central Time. Yeah. About 5.50, almost 6 o'clock Central Time, all of us are on Twitter. We see all these different, you know, the Ed Werders, the Todd Archers, the Clarence Hill Juniors, 
and we're sitting there and we're reading them and, and they're, they're showing you these videos. Dak's doing the thing with, with the, uh, what do you call it? The stretchy rubber band the, things the that are attached. Yeah, the yeah. cords. Dak's doing this. Dak is out here. Dak's going through his normal pregame routine. Ooh, oh, oh, my God. Hold on a second. Cooper Rush is going through a pregame routine. Now, maybe that's weird. Maybe it's not. I don't know because nobody has ever tweeted out that Cooper Rush is going through a pregame routine before. That may be his routine every game. Nobody right, has ever right. paid attention. Nobody cares. We get to this, and then all of a sudden, I mean, I, I cannot recall the last time. I felt like I was waiting for the OJ chase to end. I'm serious because it got to a point, every, like Mashoda. Calvin Watkins, Jane Slater, everybody that we know that covers the Cowboys is tweeting out, here's Dak on video, here's Dak doing this, 10 minutes to go, five minutes to go. And then somehow, and I don't know who it is in the organization that has a hard on for Chris Mortensen. Jerry Jones. Okay, maybe, but somebody of all the people that you know that I know that cover the Cowboys, Chris Mortensen breaks the news Dak Prescott is going to be inactive. And this is about five, more, five minutes before inactives officially come out. Dak Prescott's going to be inactive. Cooper Rush will be making his first NFL start. Oh, no, I would say without doubt that came from Jerry. Uh, you know, he and Morton go way back. And so anyway, uh, it's no big deal. Mort, Mort is uh, one of the great reporters of all time. So if he broke it, he broke it. But the main thing is for me is um, – in situations like that, man, and I've told several people this over the last few days because I was at my son's game Friday. Somebody was like, hey, I know you got some inside information. What, who's <laughs> I said, dog, you want questions to answer. You want answers to questions that nobody knows, bro. Mm. I said, we'll know when we know, man. You can't rush this particular answer. They said, I said it'll probably be a game time decision because the game is Sunday night, so that's basically like an entire day. As I said, so you're just going to have to wait, man. There is no inside information on this. It's coming from Jerry Jones, you know, or Steven maybe. Mm -hmm. Ain't no inside information. Just chill and wait, bro. Yeah, and, and it was, and I will say, and, and I put this out on Twitter, and I hope that all of you heard our podcast that dropped on Friday, Ed Werder, that we have on every week. Ed Werder told us flat out on when we, we talked to him, it was late Thursday afternoon, for the podcast that dropped last Friday and Ed told us, he goes, you know, I, I, I just don't expect that he's going to play. And he told us why. And he said, now they don't think that they're going to make an announcement till Saturday. But Ed mentioned a couple times based on everything he had seen and the people he talked to, he did not expect that Dak would play. He nailed it. Yeah. Yeah. No, he did. And, uh, you know, the more you heard about it, it's, uh, you know, because I was arguing with Clarence and uh, Calvin Watkins at, at an event we did on Thursday. And, oh, boy, did they, they take shots at me because I said, I don't think he's going to play. I said, I mean, I don't know. But, you know, it just sounds like that they want to take an extra week to be careful and cautious. And the way the NFC is shaping up, they feel comfortable doing that, especially since the division is not in jeopardy. But the bottom line is um, Dak didn't play. And um, they're going to be really thankful that he didn't play uh, down the road. It's incredible because you and I, I, I think every Cowboy fan, I think anybody who follows the Cowboys thought if Cooper, hell, Vegas, I mean, well, Cooper yes. Rush starts, the Cowboys lose. That, that's oh. what everybody thought that. Well, here's the deal, man. This is really the juxtaposition that I was arguing with uh, Clarence and Calvin. I said, Vegas, I said, the line moved five points, man, in like mm -hmm. an hour on mm -hmm. Thursday afternoon. I go, that's unusual, bro. And Clarence hit me with the, 
well, we're watching practice every day. And I said, bro, you think the folks in Vegas ain't got somebody watching the Cowboys practice? <laughs> I mean, they got plates. They got people at every every on every team. I mean, I'm just saying that in general. Don't don't be calling the Cowboys asking who's snitching for Vegas. But you know what I'm saying. They got guys who can make calls and find out information. But the bottom line is, no, nah, man, I put in my prediction in the morning news uh, that ran today. If this game's all about Dak, if Dak plays, uh, the Cowboys win a thriller. If he doesn't, now check this out, Matt. I said I don't think the Cowboys uh, will will be able to score enough points to win. But the final score I had, if Cooper Rush had played, was thirty-one twenty, um, Minnesota. So he got the twenty points. I just did, I just thought Minnesota would score more. Yeah, I I I did too, and and. You know, you can start, you can go down the rabbit hole on this in a variety of different ways. Yeah, which way are we going? Man, <laughs> that's a good question because I want to start, we have to start with Cooper Rush. Because okay. Cooper Rush is the story. Cooper Rush, again, which we just discussed, none of us thought he would do what he did. 24 of 40. 325 yards, two touchdowns. He did throw a pick that was absolutely horrific, sacked three times. But what do we always talk about? And and you have, I think, ingrained this in me, and I would imagine over the last three, four years, all of our listeners, the role of the backup quarterback is don't lose you the game, which, which right. doesn't mean the team doesn't lose. It means don't be the reason why they lost. Don't bend Ben DiNucci. Right. Exactly. And well, you have no chance to win because you dude just can't play. And Cooper Rush came out tonight in his first NFL start. He distributed the ball well. I thought it was obvious early on that he recognized, hey, I'm not Dak. I'm not going to give it to Dalton. I'm not going to. I know Amari Cooper and CeeDee Lamb are badasses. I'm going to try to get them the ball. And it worked. Um, well, here's, here's the thing that um, I always look at from, you know, covering, you know, 25 years of NFL football with backup quarterbacks and young players in particular. I looked at this with Dak. I looked at this with uh, Cooper Rush. Um, I looked at it for it with Benucci, with Danucci last year is does the game, does the moment seem too big for him? Yeah. That's the first thing you got to look for. And right off the bat, initially that first drive, the moment didn't seem too big for Cooper Rush. It seemed like he was okay. Now he frustrated me a little bit because he was he was short arming some pass like he wasn't stepping all the way through like he was throwing off his back foot, um, but you know you got to understand it's Cooper Rush man he's making his first start the game's probably moving a hundred miles an hour to him he's not really comfortable but what I liked overall about him man was he got better every quarter and that big touchdown pass to Cedric Wilson to start the third quarter to me really gave yeah. him confidence. And you could see that confidence on the on the game winning drive, man, because he was throwing the ball then. And you know, once they got confidence in him, Kellen Moore started taking some deeper shots, and it looked like they were playing with a regular game plan, not a we don't want our quarterback to do anything to lose the game game plan. Yeah, uh, he was. He did what he needed to do. And like you say, he didn't have. And and again, I think we can go back. Ben DiNucci had that deer in the headlights look. Like my God, what do I do? Cooper Rush walked in, and, and again, he's been around for years. He knows the offense. He knows the offense. To me, this was, to use a theater analogy, this was an understudy who knows all the work. He knows everything that the person that, that is the main draw knows. But Dak Prescott's, Dak Prescott's who you put on the marquee. 
Cowboys yeah. coming to Minnesota, starring Dak Prescott. Hey, sorry, sorry, everybody. Dak Prescott's sick tonight, but Cooper Rush is going to play his role and he's going to nail it. And everybody's like, ah, oh, we came to see Dak, but you came to see the show. And Cooper Rush did what he needed to do to pull the show off. And the Cowboys win. They're six and one. And at the end of the day, would you have preferred Dak to be out there and healthy? Great. But I will also say this as we kind of transition in, in to me, the Cowboys sitting Dak, I think, proves that to a man in this organization, they believe this team is legit. Why do you say that? Because I feel like if they thought, man, oh my God, if we if we sit Dak and we lose this game, we're in trouble. I, I feel like they thought, you know what? One, we trust Cooper, but we trust the team. We trust the team. This isn't Sean Lee missing on defense. This isn't Dak missing last year. We trust that the team can keep this competitive. Do we think we're going to win? We don't know. Sure, we'd love Dak to play. But sitting Dak, to me, was a sign of it's not about this week. We believe that this is a team that can go deep into the playoffs, and we need to make sure that Dak Prescott is available for that run. I bet it. I thought it was a... um... I thought it was the same type of move. Like, let's just be sure we, we plan to play a lot of football this year. We're a really good team. Um, we're not conceding an L just because we don't have Dak. Now, it's mm-hmm. going to be hard to win without Dak, but we're not conceding one. And um, let's, uh, you know, let's, uh, let's make sure we got him the whole way. Because I think they probably had this conversation, which is we will feel like shit if he goes out here, strains it, mm-hmm. and he's out a month. Yep. We'll feel like shit. Whereas if we give him this week off and he gets a full three weeks off, then we'll feel so much better. We won't have any doubts, any reservations about him playing the next game. And then whatever happens in the next game is just like maybe that was just bad luck or whatever. But it won't be like, damn, we should have gave him an extra week. So I think they had that conversation and just said, let's let's just take the safe route. We got a good team. We're in a good position. Let's just take the safe route and see what happens. This is a huge win. I, I feel like this might be – this is going to be one of those wins, if this team can do some of the things I think that it can, that you look back and you go, Mike, this is when you realized what this team was about. And I felt like the defense stepped up their game. I, I, I felt like the defense kind of recognized this and said, hey, Dak's not here. Coop, we got you. Like, we got you. They gave up 16 points to Thielen, to Jefferson, to Cook – to Cousins in that Minnesota offense. We certainly weren't saying that after the first drive, though. <laughs> no, I was I no, tweeted we, no, something. No, we weren't. I was like, dang. No, we weren't. I we mean, weren't. You know. Because I was tweeting about it. I was like, well, so much for this game. No, but uh, I was I was looking at stats later. I was like, damn, I couldn't believe it. But it's because they dominated third down. Uh, Minnesota won for 13 on third down. It ties the Cowboys' best ever third down defense performance. Uh, and see, it was it was an interesting game, man, because they gave up a couple of big plays, but they didn't really give up anything else. Because of the third down success, they were always getting off the field. They only sacked Cousins once, but it felt like more because they hit him eight times. You know, they drew a couple holding penalties. They had that uh, at least one intentional grounding, almost had another one. So they harassed him quite a bit, even though they didn't put him down. And uh, the bottom line was they played a hell of a game, man. And Micah Parsons was off the chain tonight. Yes, he was. He This this defensive performance tonight for me, I mean, you look at this. You know what? Before we get into the defense, let's tell you about a couple of our sponsors because they make this happen. 
Blue Star Motor Group. They specialize in superior quality Carfax certified pre-owned vehicles of all makes and models. We've told you about Deb. Give her a call. Shoot her a text. You looking for a car? 817-881-4066. If you do not know this number and you are looking for a vehicle and you do not call 817-881-4066, you're basically telling us that you're super rich and having money bores you and you want to throw it away. <laughs> that's that's what I get because why else wouldn't you contact Blue Star Motor Group? Now, I hadn't really thought about that, man. But, yeah, you know, the thing I like about Blue Star, man, is whether they got a car to fit every budget. You're looking for a car for your kid. You're looking for a car for yourself. You're looking for a luxury, middle-aged crisis car. Hey, they got one for you, man. And all you got to do is pick up the phone and call Deb because Deb is a deal maker. That's what they do. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's I mean, it, you know, it's that simple. 817-881-4066. It's bluestarmotorgroup.com. You can go there and check out their inventory. They'll get you taken care of. Whatever it is that you're looking for. And if you don't see it on the website, I'm telling you, shoot her a text, give her a call. She'll find it for you. They will set out to pleasure you. See what I did there? Oh, my. <laughs> Vehicular-wise. Vehicular-wise. 817-881-4066. It's Blue Star Motor Group. Also, of course, once you get that vehicle, you're going to need to take it somewhere. And I, we, we've tried to ingrain this in you guys, but reality of it is when you go to a mechanic, I think we all have the fear. We all call, say, hey, where can I take my car? Where can I go? You know why? Because you don't want to get ripped off. You don't want to get screwed. You don't want to feel like you're taking your car somewhere where you're like, ah, I, I, you know, if I hadn't taken it there, this wouldn't have happened. Take it to Freeway Tire Shop. All those questions that you have, you don't have to worry about at all because JR and his crew, you can trust them and they're going to take care of you. Dude, I mean, I tell you a lot of time, my thing don't change, man. I got a bunch of cars. <laughs> I'll pay for it but one, so don't judge me. And um, I take it to JR for one reason, man. I trust him. I trust him to diagnose the problem or keep it till he does. How about that? I trust him to use quality parts to fix it. I trust him to, to, to stand behind his work, man, and I trust him to give me a good price. He does all of that on a consistent basis, and that's why I go to the dude, man. Whether it's a, whether it's a major thing like getting an engine for my Challenger, getting an oil change, getting an inspection, doesn't matter. If it needs work done on my car, trust, JR is doing it. That's right. It's Freeway Tire Shop. You can schedule your appointment. You can request a quote online, freewaytireshop.com telling you man whether it's a state inspection and oil change an alignment the simple stuff all the way to the hardcore mechanical work whatever you may need freeway tire shop has the answer just north of downtown dallas off i-35 it is freeway tire shop again freewaytireshop.com this defense tonight kirk cousins 184 yards passing dalvin cook 78 yards rushing Justin Jefferson, two catches, 21 yards for Justin Jefferson. Now, Adam Thielen had six for 78 for one touchdown. You live with that. You think when you, when you are talking about the weapons on this offense, the Dallas Cowboys gave up 16 points and shut down. And it felt to me like the defense, I mean, honestly, we kind of mentioned this before. Man, it felt to me like the Dallas defense just kind of looked at it and said, we got it. Like, hey, Coop, like, like Cooper, you're good. Do what you can do because we're going to ball out tonight. Yeah, I mean, I think, um, you know, this defense has been so much better than last year's version. And I think a lot of it is 
is is one they got a lot better players. I mean, look at the two deep man. They've turned over a bunch of dudes um, on the defense, man. This is not the defense from last year. Uh, and and as we've talked about it before, man, they got playmakers on every level with Randy Gregory, with Micah Parsons, with Trayvon Diggs. You saw it tonight. And uh, they're only going to get better. But I think the maestro man is Dan Quinn. He's figured out how to – how about this, bro? Use the pieces and fit the pieces to, to his scheme and what he's doing. And uh, they've been better and better and better every week, man. And now, dare I say it, are they a good defense? Like before we've been saying, yeah, they aight. But, dude, when you think about – I haven't. he hasn't really played much. But when you think about what they said about Neville Gallimore and why they were so despondent when he got hurt, he's coming back. And we know what Tank Lawrence can do. And when you think about a pass rush that has Tank Lawrence and Randy Gregory on the outside and, and uh, your boy Michael Parsons blitzing up the middle, you think about it come December and playoff time, and you, go, yeah. you can win with that. And with Dan Quinn pulling the buttons, man, um, dude, they're a good defense because Anthony Brown is showing y'all he's a good player, a solid player. Mm-hmm. But he's not, a, he's not a bad player, which some I think some people think. I don't, I don't even think he's an average, but I think he's a little bit better than that because he's getting better and better and better. He delivered a couple of hits today and made a couple of plays that were nice. Yeah, and it, it, it's interesting because <laughs> – We've gotten so used to this defense taking the ball away. No takeaways tonight. And that's what's even more wild about this is that Dallas won a game in which their backup quarterback started. They lost Tyron Smith for the majority of the game. They turned it over twice. They were minus two in the turnover department, and they won the football game, which is wild. No interception for Trayvon Diggs. His streak comes to an end tonight. That's seven picks now in seven games. And Trayvon Diggs apparently has an ankle that will be day-to-day, and we'll see how it turns out. But, you know, all in all, I don't know. It just it just felt like this defense had something in it that it offered tonight. The fact that Dalvin Cook didn't crack even close to 100 and that Justin Jefferson was virtually invisible, you know, it. it this team, this was a team win and this is a team that is good enough when Dak Prescott's not. Th- now, you don't want to play every week without Dak. Uh, no, I don't want to play no more games without Dak. You don't. <laughs> but the I, the fact that they won this game makes me more excited about this team than I would have been if they had won if Dak had played. Well, see, man, this is what I believe, and this is what I know, again, from all these years of watching NFL football, because it, it be, certain things become clear to me. See, the, 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 the New England win was huge, okay? Because that was, again, you got to beat the aging champion. You got to beat somebody like that just so you can go, we are as good as we think we are. We beat them on the road. It was a tough game. All right, but this game here, man, I put this on Twitter as soon as the game was over. It was a gritty win. It's the kind of win that championship caliber teams get because wasn't nothing easy about this game. This was a very hard game. You didn't have all your pieces. You had every conceivable excuse out there if you wanted to quit. You had, um, you know, besides the quarterback, man, there was things didn't go right for you during the game all the time. And they just kept banging, man, and figuring out a way to win. Because, you know, I'm charting the game and I'm doing some stuff and I'm tweeting and I'm writing all during the game. Now, I finally stopped to kind of watch the game and I said, well, damn, it's 13-13 starting the fourth quarter. 
this is all they could have asked for. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, they're in position now. Now it's about can we find a way to win? And damn it, um, they found a way to win, man, because that penalty drive, penalty field drive, uh, they held them to a field goal. And yeah. that set them up and gave them an opportunity to either – to me, it took the pressure off because, okay, we don't even need a touchdown. Can we just get a field goal? But then, um, you know, uh, Rush did his thing, and then this, you pay people $20 million a year for a reason. Mark Cooper showed you why. I did, man. I mean, you talk about – and this kind of moves you into that. Where they went – for a team, again, this is 10-3 at the half. And as you kind of mentioned, Minnesota, I mean, that first drive took less than three minutes or a little over three minutes, I should say. Seven plays, 75 yards, right down the field, you're good. You missed a field goal if you're Dallas on that second on their first drive. Then you throw the pick, Cooper Rush, on the second drive, and you're just like, okay, so this is what it's going to be tonight. It, it figures, right? If Cooper Rush, what are you going to do? Not much. It's 10-3 at the half. Dallas comes out in... You have that first drive of the second half that Dallas had, and Cedric Wilson, who had kind of become a, a, a guy for Dak Prescott, Cedric Wilson with that 73-yard touchdown pass that he received, and you start to think, okay, all right, but I, I, I still kind of wonder. But the Dallas defense gave the offense, and that's what I think I'm so impressed about, about by the defense tonight, was they just kept giving the offense opportunity. Kept giving the offense opportunity. Yeah, they give up points. They give up a field goal here. They give up the touchdown here. A field goal in the second half. But they never really got burned until Cooper Rush started moving the ball down the field. It's 13-13. And all that matters is that final drive of the game. You're down 16-13. to The defense has done their job. Did they give up some yards? Sure. But they did the job and they gave Cooper Rush an opportunity with two minutes and 50 seconds left in this game, drive the length of the field, you're at least getting a shot at overtime, if not winning the game. Now, how confident did you feel when the drive started? Zero. That they would, that they would see, I admire your honesty, that they would kick a field goal and tie it up. I didn't, I didn't really feel good about it. Um, I didn't say they weren't going to do it, but I, I certainly didn't expect them to. Um, but uh, they had enough time, I thought, it. I think it was 251, that they didn't have to, like, rush, rush, rush. They could, like, be, you know, be normal speed, and I thought that would help them. But I can't sit here and tell you I thought that they were going to go tie it up. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I'd zero believe. Matter of fact, I was impressed that, okay, you got the ball and a chance to tie it up on a night where you don't have Dak. I, I honestly, I mean, if you'd been sitting here, and, and I don't know if we got this recorded or not, but I, I thought there's no way. I mean, I, I don't believe in – I hadn't seen – look, Cooper Rush did some things. He was better than I thought he would be tonight. But if you're asking me if I thought with less than three minutes that Cooper Rush is going to drive the field to win the game, no. <laughs> not at all. And, and that's what was so nice about what we saw from Cooper Rush – and a lot of this was Amari Cooper in that last drive doing things that a $20 million wide receiver does. Bruh, that's for real right there. That first catch? Come on, man. Insane. He had he had some ridiculous – and we, we've tried to portray this, I think, I think on the podcast and, and on the radio show before – Amari Cooper is one of the best route runners in the NFL. That's why I loved when they gave a number one pick for him because I, I, th- you got one of the very best route runners in the NFL. 
he does things right. running routes that there are very few receivers in the NFL can do. He is precise. He is about precision. The way that he runs routes, and he can run all the routes. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean that he's going to dominate. He's not that Des Bryant personality in your face going to mow you down in the red zone. But this dude can run a route better. I would, I would go as far to say he may be the best route runner in Cowboy wide receiver history. He's in a conversation. He can he's run in a conversation. Oh, yeah. No, he's, he's definitely in the conversation, man. But, you know, it's the thing about it is when you look at this Cowboys offense and you, and you look at why it's as good as it is, especially when Dak is playing, it's because they got playmakers all over the field. But what is a playmaker? Playmakers, man, the best of the best, the guys you pay your big-time money to, you need them to show up at winning time. And when uh, that that catch he made down the right sideline, juggling yeah. off of off of a pass that kind of got bounced around and knocked around, dude. I mean, that's why they pay you, and that's why they don't mind paying you. And it doesn't matter that you have three for forty eight one week or two for sixteen one week, because at winning time, there's been enough instances that Amari Cooper can go make a play that help you win a game. And so you do this, and, and, and you hit Coop for the 33-yarder, as you mentioned. You hit him again for another 18-yarder. You get down there. You're in the opportunity. And what I loved is it got down there so quickly that you didn't necessarily feel like, okay, settle for a field goal. You actually have an opportunity to win the game here. Yeah. And they kind of dink and dunked at that point. And then that play, I mean, that third and 11 play where Zeke, where Cooper Rush hit Zeke, and Zeke picks up the first down, and then it ends up being an opportunity to get down to the five on that first and goal, again to Amari Cooper, touchdown game. Well, bro, uh, Zeke to me is a player that one of the plays of the game. Yeah, because he catches that ball on a uh, route out of the backfield coming across. And when he catches the ball, you got to tell me there's no way in the world you think he's coming anywhere close. No. Nah to the first down because he caught it like probably five, six, seven yards away from the first down. But he made a great cut, cut up field and split two guys. Then he ran through two more arm tackles and finally got dragged down at the five. I, by the time he got dragged down, I was like, don't tell me this 12-letter customer is about to score on this play. Uh, but that was a fantastic play. And again, what are we talking about, man? We're talking about one of your highest played dudes making a big time play when it matters most, and, uh, you know, he had whatever he had, 16 for 50 today, yeah. but the Vikings had already told you, we ain't letting the Cowboys win with the running game with a rookie yep. quarterback. Yep. So they loaded the box and were very aggressive with the run. But this Zeke Elliott this year, who's much similar to the guys from his first three years, he's lighter, he's better, and you saw it tonight because here's the deal, man. Last year, he wouldn't have had the burst and the acceleration to split the first two guys. Now, see, he still ran with power last year, but it's the, elus it's the elusiveness he has now because he's got the speed with the burst and the acceleration that allowed him to split those guys, run through the arm tackles, and then use the power before he got dragged down. Yeah, I mean, it's – and again, I'll go back to Ed Werder on our podcast. Friday, he told us that he had talked to Mike Zimmer and basically it was like if Cooper Rush plays, and they said, well, if Cooper Rush plays, we're going to make him beat us. Like, we, we will go all out to stop the Cowboys' run game, and Cooper Rush beat them. Cooper Rush beat the Minnesota Vikings tonight. That and the Dallas defense. 
Props all the way around. This is a six and one, six and one Dallas Cowboys team. They've won six games in a row. Only Green Bay now has a longer win streak at seven in a row. And this is a team that is up there at the top of the NFC. And mm-hmm. it, 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 this has a very, this is a very chance, very good chance to be a special season. Yeah, it does, no doubt. But man, you got the Cowboys at six and one. You got the Rams seven and one, the Packers yep. seven and one, the Cardinals seven and one. That this has got a chance to be a special season, but there still ain't much room for margin for error, man. Every so game wild, matters, man. every week matters, and the good thing is their schedule is manageable as long as they play good football and uh, as long as they have their their normal complement of players. I always like to say with normal injuries because everybody's got got to deal with some injuries or deal with COVID. As long as yours is normal and not abnormal. Uh, dude, check this out, man. They're in the hunt for home field advantage, man. They are. Pie. Because if you look at the schedule, there's only um, three games maybe where you think, okay, they got, based on what we've seen, you know, those are some games that will be hard to win. Or as I like to say, you could play good and still lose them. Um, but, uh, shoot, dog, they're going to be in hunt all the way. Uh, and now it's just getting more and more fun because every week the games get bigger and bigger and bigger. So as we move forth here, and, and you were kind of getting into it a little bit, you look at where the Cowboys sit in the NFC, and this is going to be interesting because it's hard not to look ahead at this point. The Broncos and the Falcons, the Cowboys have two home games in a row coming up next Saturday or next Sunday, both noon kicks. The expectation, you should beat both the Broncos and the Falcons. You should. You're at true home. That, you that. should beat them. You should be eight and one when you travel to Kansas City on November 22nd. But what's interesting is you look at where they sit in the NFC, and you kind of mentioned this a minute ago. The NFC is different than the AFC. The AFC has a bunch of two loss teams. The NFC doesn't. It's six and one Dallas. Currently, they're the fourth place team in the NFC. Why? Because they're behind Green Bay, which leads the conference at seven and one. They're behind Arizona, who just lost to Green Bay at seven and one. And they're behind the Rams at seven and one. None of those teams, of course, have had their bye yet. Now, Green Bay at seven and one is about to play the Chiefs, the Seahawks, the Vikings, and the Rams in their next four. Could they be? Sure. Maybe they win all four. I doubt it. But you look at, as you kind of look through the, what everybody else has coming up, Arizona, who's now has a one-game losing streak after winning their first seven, they have the 49ers, the Panthers, the Seahawks, and the Bears coming up. Those are all winnable to me if you're the Arizona Cardinals. The 49ers, they, the 49ers obviously the Seahawks with Geno Smith are not what you thought they would be, but the 49ers, I'm actually surprised at the fact that they're just three and four. I thought they might be a little bit better. The Seahawks, I thought, surprised everybody by winning their game and got to three and five. I thought that they might actually end up two and six. But then you look at the Rams, the other seven and one team, they've got the Titans, who are Titans might be the best team in the AFC. <laughs> yeah. They got to play the Titans next Sunday. Then they have the 49ers and the Packers. Those are their next three games. I mean, those are going to really. I guess my point here is that we're going to learn a lot about what these other teams are all about here in the next three or four weeks. Yeah, and I, I was looking up something, as you said, it because I thought I saw it, but, um, you know, uh, Kyler Murray's got a sprained ankle, and yeah. there's some question about whether he'll, you know, uh, whether he's going to be out for a couple of games, a couple of weeks, 
uh, while he gets through, especially the, the style of football that he plays. And so, uh, you know, dealing with the attrition, as the Cowboys show tonight, is is what the NFL is all about, man, because the season is about who handles that attrition the best. It really is. And the fact that the Cowboys are sitting in 6-1, and one, and then you look in their division, and they've got – it's essentially a two-and-a-half game lead because everybody else has played eight games and the Cowboys have only played seven. But the Eagles, who won the day at three and five, the Giants, who have played, well, they they were on the bye as well, so they had the two and five. They're on the bye this week, rather. So they're two and five. And then Washington, who has inexplicably lost four games in a row, including their loss to the Broncos. So they're coming off four consecutive losses, and they've got their bye next week. The Eagles are interesting. They're three and five and technically in second. I, I don't know that anybody... Look, the Lions suck. I thought the Eagles would win. I don't know that anybody thought the Eagles were going to beat the Lions 44-6. to No, I don't think so. <laughs> that took me by surprise. I was shocked. But, man, you look at what the Eagles have coming up. They got the Chargers next week, then the Broncos, then the Saints. And you just keep painting the picture. I mean, there, there's a really good chance here where Dallas is going to be so far out in the NFC East, and we've talked about this. They, they've got the division. Cowboys are going to win the division. Now it becomes, and that's how come we bring up these other teams, is that it's it's about these other teams. It's about how do you keep pace with the Packers, the Cardinals, and the Rams. Now you lost to Tampa, but Tampa lost today to New Orleans, and Tampa's now 6-2. and two. The Cowboys are ahead of Tampa Bay. Yeah, I think um, for the Cowboys, man, I mean, if you just look at the schedule, um, you could call the Chiefs an L. Um, based on what we say, Maybe the Saints is an L. Maybe the Cardinals is an L. Um, but that's three. So if you look at that, 13 and four you're looking at is kind of like the worst you expect. And nobody would be shocked if you got 14 and three based on how they're playing right now and based on their injury situation. But a lot of that is you need to go undefeated in a raggedy Rudy Poot division. Um, you need to take – so, I mean, if you just do the math, bro, you start doing the math, that's uh, – that's four more wins right there, you know? So yeah. um, what does that do? That puts you at 11, right? Yeah. No, that puts you at 10. Then the Broncos and the Falcons, that puts you at 12. So when you start doing the math, if the Cowboys play their best football, they could be looking at 13, 14 wins, man, and that might be enough at least to get you a home game, if not home field advantage in the in the NFC. But it's going to be tough this year because a lot of good teams. It is going to be tough. And and the NFL, I mean, as we know, I, I tell people all the time, I have no idea how anybody ever wagers on the NFL. Blows my mind. I mean, you look at games today, for instance, and you don't have to look much further than the fact that Philadelphia absolutely annihilated Detroit. You can look at the idea that Tennessee and Indianapolis were neck and neck until Tennessee, and, and that basically wraps up the AFC South for Tennessee, by the way, that overtime win they had. The biggest shocks of the day, though, the Jets with Mike White, who, cowboy. who obliterated the Bengals. I mean, Mike White threw for over 400 yards and looked like a first-round draft pick. The Jets beat Joe Burrow in the Cincinnati Bengals today. It, it, and I saw that. I was like, how does it? And then the other one that jumps out to you is New England on the road, knocks off the Chargers in L.A. 27-24. I, was, I, I may have been more. Well, no, the Jets win was the bigger shock. But 
I was really surprised the Patriots beat the Chargers. Uh, one, I thought the Chargers were just a better team. Yeah. Two, they had to travel to the West Coast to do it. I thought that meant the Chargers would uh, would play better. And so, nah, man, I was, I was shocked by both of those wins. But it just, you know, again, it just goes to show you how hard it is to win in today's NFL, why you can't take any wins for granted, and why your Dallas Cowboys have a damn good football team, man. This is uh, this is starting to feel like probably the best team that they've had. Um, and we always talk about 07 and 14 and 16, but yeah. this to me yeah. feels like the best team because they can do all the things that those teams could do on offense and maybe a little bit more. But th- I know this is shocking, but this defense is shaping up to be better from the coordinator to the playmakers. Um it's shaping up to be a better defense. Yeah, man, th- this thing, this whole thing is wildly impressive. And, and you look at the grand scheme of the NFL, Buffalo, who somehow struggled with Miami today, but pulled it out. They're five and two. You look at Baltimore, who's five and two. Tennessee, who, again, as I said, right now, based on what they've done in the last month, Tennessee's the best team in the AFC. Tennessee beat Buffalo. Then turned around, they they walloped Kansas City and then beat the Colts. Tennessee right now has a three game lead in the AFC South over tennis over Indianapolis, but they've beaten the Colts twice. So it's basically like, like four game, yeah, like a four game lead. So that division's probably theirs. And then the AFC West, and this is what's so mind boggling about the AFC West: the Raiders five and two, the Chargers are four and three, the Broncos are four and four. Last place in the AFC West. Kansas City, the two-time defending AFC champs are three and four. You know, and honestly, based on everything we've seen from Kansas City, the way they played against Tennessee last weekend, ten- Kansas City's not making the playoffs. Now, this it's going. they're going to have to, to get it together and get it together in a hurry, man. And see, <clears throat> you know, when I say the Cowboys could lose at Kansas City, um, it's because Kansas City still has a potent offense and, and they could do some things. And you know, they'll... You know, and the Cowboys playing well will get Kansas City's best game because they'll yeah. be, you know, they'll be locked in and focused and ready to go. But the flip side is they can be as locked in and focused and ready to go as they want to. Their defense ain't no good. And so, you know, if the Cowboys don't turn it over, they've got Dak and they play well, then, I mean, would you? nobody's going to be shocked if the Cowboys went up there. Uh, whereas a few weeks ago at the start of the season, we, we would have all been shocked. Yeah. It's it's wild because when you look in the NFC and we kind of we told you this, I mean, you look at those four teams that are with one loss and it's it's Green Bay, Arizona, Los Angeles and Dallas that are seven and one and then Dallas at six and one because they're the only team that's had the bye. The only other team that's even up there with them is the Saints who are five and two. Everybody else in the NFC has at least four losses. Dude, it's uh, it's you know, it's been a separation in the NFC, and now the Saints aren't going to have Jameis Winston. Whatever you thought about him as a quarterback, probably for the rest of the year, I think reports are he's got a torn ACL and MCL. So you're looking at them playing with uh, their fake quarterback or with uh, Seaman uh, for the rest of the year. Neither one of those, whom can you know, neither one of those intimidates you. You know, New Orleans is always a tough place to play, but. You know, you're not going to be intimidated by the prospect of uh, having to go there. Yeah, I, I just thought it was weird that you think that the Saints are playing with semen. <laughs> That's what you said. 
Well, that's their quarterback, man. <laughs> Isn't it Trevor, Trevor Simeon? Seaman? Oh, Simeon. Hey, I, don't, I don't know why. It's, I don't know why the Saints are playing with Seaman. <laughs> are you doing something you need to tell us all about? <laughs> no, not this one. Not this episode. God. <laughs> I mean, without hesitation, like the Saints are playing with Seaman. I was like, oh, okay, all right. Uh, Trevor Simeon? <laughs> I guess so. They ran out of socks, perhaps. I guess so, man. I don't know, but the Cowboys get to play against that. I think they'll be okay. <laughs> oh, I will say this. There's some other news and notes from this game tonight. And Trayvon Diggs, they are saying that he has a sprained ankle Chill actually just tweeted this out that he left the stadium with two shoes on and you go, okay, well, obviously, well, that means he's not wearing a boot. Chill reports two shoes walking without a limp and that he said he's fine. So that's good news for Trayvon Diggs. The bad news for the Dallas Cowboys tonight is that multiple, and this is according to Todd Archer. I mean, again, you hear Todd Archer in our next episode, you hear Chill later in the week. But Todd Archer reporting tonight that multiple sources say the fear is rookie Jabril Cox has suffered a torn ACL and that, of course, he would be out for the year, which would be a blow to the special teams unit and what Cox was doing developing-wise. When did that happen? I don't even remember him Apparently being Apparently in the second half. It must have happened on special teams, but it, it, torn ACL would not be good. No. The other note, how about this? Micah Parsons the first rookie in NFL history to have 10 solo tackles and four tackles for a loss in a single game. You know what's impressive about that, man? And I'm going to go a step further. And this is why, and, and I don't say these things lightly. I'm not a, I'm not a, y'all probably figured this out by that. I'm not one of them dudes who's really big into hyperbole because uh, I've seen so much over the years. But to me, this dude is really destined to be a star and some of y'all might be like, well, duh, we've been talking about him as defensive rookie of the year. He's a first-round pick and all of that. But nah, man, it goes deeper than that. Um, I was doing some reading this week, and I read some quotes from Micah where he says, I didn't like the way I played against the Patriots. He goes, like, I was okay, but I, I just didn't – I should have been better. And so he changed his routine. He had been showing up to uh, the start about 7, 7.05. Their first meeting is like 7.30. So during the bye week, he showed up at 6 o'clock every day. That was to make sure he could get his some extra work in, you know, either get taped earlier and then you have another 35, 45 minutes to look at tape or just get your day started right. Well, he took it upon himself to do that, man. Nobody told him to do that. He's like, I'm just not playing to the standard that I set myself for. So he changed his schedule. He got more work in. And the first game out, he shows up with 10 solo tackles. I think he finished with 11 for the game, four tackles for loss, a quarterback hit. And he made an impact out there tonight. And when guys have that kind of self-motivation, man, and they have talent, they're going to be stars. Yeah, he's he's a beast to say the least. But I don't know. This is awesome. I mean, this is just wonderful. What a wonderful night for the Cowboys in the game that once they announced Dak wasn't going to play, I think a lot of us just kind of like, man, that sucks. Okay, so we're so we're five and two, but that's cool. Now you're six and one, and you've got Atlanta and Denver, or Denver and Atlanta coming up. This is a special season. We'll see. We'll see. I try not to get too excited because I. You could tell me right now, man, the Cowboys are going to be you know fourteen and three, awesome. 
but I've seen it, you know, and, and to me, this is a season where really all that matters is the end result. Like, how far does this thing go? Yeah, I think this is, uh, and we've talked about it, and we'll continue to talk about it because of the way the team is playing. But this team, the way it's constructed, and see, the reason I thought they didn't, I mean, again, I didn't think they would win. But the reason why this team has a chance to win, if the backup quarterback has any modicum of, you know, can play just a little bit, is what we saw tonight. There's enough playmakers on the offense that if you could just get them the ball, they'll take care of the rest. You just got to be able to to get them the ball. And again, you know, we saw Ben DiNucci unable to do that last year. And, um, you know, uh, with all the injuries last year, even Andy Dalton really couldn't do it last year. Maybe he could have done it this year, but we, we don't know. But this team is loaded with playmakers, man. And if you think about it like this, I'm serious now. Why do teams win in college football? You just got better players 99% of the time. You know, Alabama wins, Georgia wins. Why? Ultimately, they got better players. Even if you play them good for three quarters, normally one of them five-star dudes makes a play in the fourth quarter. You say, well, damn, that's why they beat us. The NFL ain't really that much different at a different level. When you got as many playmakers at as many different spots as the Cowboys have, sooner or later, one of them, it seems like, will bust your ass. And I'm not just talking about high-paid guys. Because quiet as it's kept, man, seriously, man, a guy like Cedric Wilson has turned into a playmaker. Yeah. Now, he doesn't get a lot of opportunities. But you can name three or four plays this year already where Cedric, we ain't played, but we ain't seen him play but eight games. But you can name three or four plays already where Cedric Wilson has made a play, and you're like, well, damn. And Michael Gallup, who we know is a playmaker, isn't even back yet. And so when you look at it, you know, Pollard's a playmaker. Zeke's a playmaker. I'm not exaggerating. Dalton Schultz has showed you he can make a play. You know, Blake Jarwin, I mean, he got that contract because he was a playmaker. Yeah. Splitting the seam and making big plays down the field. Cooper, Lamb, they got playmakers everywhere, man. And so if their offensive line keeps it clean, you know, it is hard to stop this team for a period of time because they got so many playmakers who touched the ball on a regular basis because Dak Prescott don't give a damn. He just gives, he just spreads the ball around. It's very true. Now we're talking about a 6-1 and one Dallas team. Broncos, Falcons at home. Both games at home. We're talking about a 4-4 four and four Denver Broncos team that is coming off of a loss. A, or Actually, they won today. They, they won today. So they're now four and four because they were three and four, and that that was weird because the Broncos started three and zero, oh, and then lost four straight games before they picked up the win today over the Washington football team, seventeen to ten. Cowboys are a better team than Denver. Then after that, you get the Falcons. This is a Falcons team that is three and four, a Falcons team that lost today, nineteen thirteen to the Panthers. So. I mean, realistically, you look at this, you have both games at home. This is a team that's been very good at home. Assuming Dak comes back and is all healthy, there is a very realistic possibility. We are talking about an 8-1 and one Dallas Cowboys team going on the road to Kansas City where everybody would be like, oh, well, I mean, Kansas City, you know, so much for that. The, the, 
this is a three and four Kansas City team that's got all kinds of problems. I mean, they got their ass kicked last weekend by Tennessee. Now they're on the bye this week and they've got the Giants next week. Maybe they can get to four and four. Then they've got the Packers and then they've got the Raiders coming up before they play the Cowboys. No, I think it's a, uh, you know, I think um, what you said is right. The next two games, however you get them, you should be able to get them. Um, But, you know, um, and then we'll see what happens in Kansas City. Chiefs still got a ton of offense uh, with, uh, you know, the cheetah over there catching passes with Travis Kelsey. You know, Mahomes is still one of the best quarterbacks in in the league. But what is happening to him, man, I think, is that their defense is so bad their running game is kind of non-existent that, you know, he feels he's got a, he's got a little bit of the hero complex going on because he feels like every drive we got to score or we're going to be behind. And uh, that's our bad way to play. We've seen Tony Romo play like yeah. that many, many years in Dallas. It's just a bad way to play because it leads you to making mistakes because you get this hero syndrome. Uh, but uh, that's three weeks off. We'll see how it goes. But up next for the Cowboys is enjoy this one. And then who is that next? Denver is next. Yeah, Denver at home on uh, Sunday. Noon kick next Sunday. That's a game you should win comfortably if you play well. And, um, you know, let's give Mike McCarthy some credit. He has his team ready to play every week. Yeah, yeah. I mean, give him credit. And, and again, we'll see. Chiefs and Giants, Monday Night Football. We'll see what happens. But next weekend will be weird because it's fallback. We fall back. I mean, the the time goes back. Fallback. I know, man. It's, It's one of the worst things ever invented. Dude, where I live in the Birmingham area, I kid you not, there once we get towards the middle of December, it the sun sets at like four forty five. It's just depressing, man. I hate it. It's bizarre because we live so close to the eastern time zone here, it's unfortunate. How about this little tidbit? The Cooper rush to Amari Cooper huh, is the it. first touchdown in NFL history where the passer's first name and the receiver's last name are an exact match. And then the Cowboys also have the only pass touchdown in history where the passer's last name and the receiver's first name were an exact match when Andy Dalton threw a touchdown to Dalton Schultz last year. (laughs) How nuts is that? I mean, it means nothing, but it's kind of (laughs) cool. Go figure, man. (laughs) All right, we got to get... We need to tell you about Smokey John's. You've had it, the Jam Session Bowl. If you haven't had it, you need to have it. The Jam Session Bowl is not on the menu. So if you walk in and you're like, oh, my, I mean, they said the Jam Session Bowl, but I don't see it. Oh, my God, I'm embarrassed. Don't be embarrassed. (laughs) You should walk up to that kind of go, hey, Jam Session Bowl. And then Brent or Juan, they'll walk out from the back and go, I got you. And it'll be like, (laughs) you've touched a genie because it's only for Jam Session listeners. The Jam Session Bowl, it is made from your choice, made from scratch mashed potatoes or mac and cheese. Pick two meats to top it with. Pick your toppings. Drizzle it with Smokey John's barbecue sauce all in one bowl. Only available to Jam Session listeners. Dude, it's uh, it's fantastic. I went and had it for the first time. Finally got over it and had it uh, probably a couple weeks ago. It was great. Uh, a friend of mine asked me, said, yo, we going to get it again? I'm like, dude, we just, we just went there. He's like, man, it was good. If, if, if you got time, let's go meet up over there again. I was like... <laughs> I was like, not this week, man, but maybe next week. Uh, That's how good it is, man. It's fantastic. Go check it out, man. It is only available. They won't even, like, only people that listen to us know that you can even order this. 
And by the way, when you order the Jam Session Bowl, you get a free drink. So make sure that you mention the Jam Session Bowl only for Jam Session listeners. It's Smokey John's Barbecue right there off Mockingbird, just east of 35. If you live out of the area and you can't get over to Smokey John's in person, fine. Check them out online. SmokeyJohns.com. You can buy their sauce or their rub online. and They'll ship it to you wherever you may exist. So do that. You get a little taste of Texas barbecue at home from Smokey John's Barbecue. I wanted to get into this real quick because I know that you've talked to this dude many times. I've talked to him a couple of times. I was I, I was stunned. I, I was so floored tonight when this came across the scroll that I, I had the the jaw drop reaction for a, multiple multiple minutes. Gary Patterson, TCU head coach, is out. He is done. They apparently came to a mutual agreement. But Gary Patterson, who is the second longest tenured coach at the FBS level, which he and Kirk Ferentz both started the same year, but technically Ferentz was hired before him. He has been the TCU head coach since 2000 when he took over and officially was their head coach beginning in 2001. 22 seasons at TCU, a 181 and 79 record, and Gary Patterson is done as the head frogs, as as the Horn Frogs coach. Now I got to tell you that uh, that surprised the hell out of me. I didn't see that one coming. Not at all. Although, Not well, let me, all. let me let me ref- let me rephrase that. There's no way in hell I saw that coming uh, during the season. Yeah, uh, yeah there's yeah. been a lot of chatter that you know he's he's lived out his his time at TCU. It's time for a change. And I think you always got to remember, like, um, I don't think he and the AD are, like, joined at the hip. You yeah. know what I'm saying? I think – and whenever you're not – whenever you're not connected with the AD, then anytime you have a bad run, you're going to have to go because the AD is going to be like, hey, one of us got to go and they ain't going to be me. That's typically how it happens. But here's here's what I hope the AD understands, Really? It's okay if you want to make a change from Gary Patterson. Okay, that's fine. You're right. Uh, if you think the season is time to move on, okay, fine. Just remember that for the most part, for the most part, TCU was an irrelevant football program for 50, 60 years. Hey, Until, Doak Walker may argue with you. <laughs> I see, you know, maybe they, maybe they were doing things with, with Sammy Ball back in the 40s and the 30s. Yeah. But for the most part, they were a raggedy, Rudy Poot, irrelevant team. Uh, okay, let me see. They won 10 games in 1932. Yeah. They won 11 games in 1938. And they didn't hit double digits again until. Until Gary Patterson. Coach. Yeah, until Coach Fran and Gary Patterson. Oh, I forgot. Yeah, I forgot about Fran. Yeah. So there you go. I said about 50 or 60 years. I was just about right. Yeah. Um. So. Understand that he he transformed the, the whole place, man, and made TCU a legitimate football team to the fact that when Ohio State played him down here a couple years ago, I was like, I don't know why they took that game. Yeah, <laughs> That's the kind of game you can lose. And what happened? They damn near lost it um, because he, he brought in that four two five defense. He turned those three-star recruits into really, really nice players. He sent a lot of guys to the NFL. And, dude – let me just tell y'all this, okay? Because t- 
you know, TCU, what are they this year? Six and four. I mean, four and four, whatever, three and five. Three and five, yeah. Um, six and four last year. You know, 2017 was your last good year, 11 and three. Okay. Here's the thing for their, for their AD. You got to hit this higher, bro. You got to hit it. It's going to be hard. If you, if you don't, TCU could just as easily become, you know, three and eight. You know what they were for Back, fifty years, right, which yeah. is an irrelevant college football program, just like Rice. I mean, TCU and Rice used to be in the same sentence. Yep, it's very true, like, actually. Yeah, uh, that's what I'm saying. They're the same program. They both suck. Uh, you know, good academics, but they're not not worth a damn at football. And so this is a huge hire. And you tell me, Matt, because you you you're much more in tune with college football than me. Like, I don't. Is this such a much better job than Sonny Dykes has got right now? No. Okay, because see, to, to it's me, it's the same. It, it, other than the fact that they're in the Big Twelve, which right, but Sonny Dykes wouldn't. I mean, to me, it's harder to win in the Big Twelve than it would be with what Sonny Dykes is doing. The question for me is, whenever you're at a place like TCU or a place like SMU, I'm not leaving if I got a good spot, unless I can go to a place where I can win a national championship, and the odds are. You really can't win a national championship in a place like TCU right now. Yeah. Because because why? Texas and OU are leaving. It's going to make it incredibly hard to win the championship there. So if I can't win a national championship and I already got my program built at SMU, I'm not leaving for TCU. No, you're not. I, I don't think Sonny Dykes would leave to go to TCU. I'd be, I'd be very curious to see who they bring in. And, again, keep in mind, Gary Patterson never, never – in 22 seasons, including the end of this year, has never had back-to-back losing seasons at TCU. Yeah. Man, it's been a hell of a coach, man. Hell I mean, they, they would drop off. You know, they went in 2013, they were 4-8. and eight. They turned around the next year and won 12 games. You know, they, they've had down years. Now, I will say the last three years in a row, four years in a row, they couldn't quite get back to that level. He had them at it in 2017, but they still never had back-to-back losing seasons which right. is a lot more than several of the other teams in this conference of the Big 12 could say. I think there's some appeal to the gig. I'll be very curious to see what they do, especially since the fact that Texas Tech is open. I wonder, would you rather go to Tech or would you rather go to TCU? Because to me, I would, I would think just from quality of life that TCU would be the top of the list. Right. Just in the now Big the question, 12 of, of open jobs. Now the question is, where does Gary Patterson go? Does he go to the house and chill out? I wonder too. I wonder if he's done. I would think that he does the Mac Brown bit where he might be gone for a couple years and does some TV and stuff. And then like somebody comes after him, like how North Carolina went in Mac back and and he has that itch and he's like, okay, because he's 61, I think. Right. Yeah. He's 61. He'll turn 62 in February. He's he's still got if he wants to. He's got a few years, you would think, to coach. But what about what about tech? That'd be wild, wouldn't it? He goes. He, no. he just stays in the Big Twelve and goes out to Tech and does it. That would make sense. Yeah. Why not? I mean, they're the same yeah, type same of program level. right now. Yeah. They get the same types of players uh, for the most part. Uh, yeah, I mean, we know he can coach. Yeah, that would make uh, sense because they'd give him six, seven years. I mean, he could stay out there till he's seventy, and he'd be fine. And uh, you know, sometimes it's just time to go, man, because you've been in one place so long. Um, yeah. You know, it's just uh, especially again if you don't have a real connection with the with the AD, and you know the problem is when you got a coach who's a long term coach and an AD who hasn't been there nearly as long, 
the coach feel like, dude, I've been running shit around here. Why yeah. are you trying to tell me what to do? And the AD is like, bro, this is my program. You need to, you need to get in line. Yeah, and so Jerry Kill is the interim head coach. He has taken over. He was the assistant to the head coach at TCU the last couple of years. So now he's the interim head coach. And I think most famously, he had been at Minnesota a few years back and had those, uh, what was it? He had something. Seizures. Seizures, that's right. Yeah, seizures. Yeah. You know, and, and he's not the long-term guy. So TCU will be looking for a long-term guy. But we'll see. And then Jeff Trailer. The UTSA head coach that we talked about in the last podcast that I thought might be a possibility at Tech, UTSA just signed him. I don't know where UTSA came up with this money, but they just signed him to a contract extension, so he's not leaving. Like he's he's legit just going to stay at UTSA, which I thought was wild. wild. I mean, they, they yeah. signed him to a twenty eight million dollar deal that runs through the next ten years through twenty thirty one. Yeah, I'm sure it's got a buyout for a couple of for a few places. Yeah, but. But again, I, f- I put it in the same category. If you're at UTSA, they just changed conferences. Unless I'm going to a place where I can win a national championship, I'm just I'm cool right here. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's the thing. I've always thought that too. I mean, expect like depending on how old you are and and what you think your motivations are. I mean, if you're making like trailer, UTSA just gave him from eight hundred thousand dollars a year to two point eight million dollars a year to stay at UTSA for the next ten years. You're in San Antonio. You're living in a solid city. You're set. Everybody there loves you. You, you I mean, I, you know, for three million a year, I think I'm good. And that's that's just the three million we know about. That's right. not yeah, that's true. Five or six or seven hundred thousand coming in from, you know, sh, you know, contract with the apparel places. Yeah, t- you know, just all the other stuff that head coaches get um, is because you're a head coach. So, nah, man, money's not a problem. The city's great. You know, again, you built them into something. So, you know, it's like TCU and, and Patterson. They're going to love you for 20 years. You know, and then maybe then you'll figure out maybe you got to do something else. But the first 20, man, it's, it's all love. Yeah, but I'll be, I'm very curious to see what TCU does. Because, again, I mean, we're talking about, you know, it's not like Gary Patterson had any type of Texas connections whatsoever when TCU brought him over originally. You know, so I think you hear about Sonny Dykes and maybe Tech makes a play for him. I think Kendall Bryles would be top of the list. I don't know if TCU would go after Kendall Bryles just because of his association with Art over there at Baylor, his dad, obviously, and everything. So, I don't know. TCU's opening is a really interesting one, a a gig that I don't think anybody thought would be open this year. No, no. I'm telling you, everything I've read recently, when I say recently, I'm talking about the last couple of days. Said, uh, you know, maybe, uh, maybe there'll be a change at TCU at the end of the year, but certainly, uh, I don't think anybody saw this coming in the middle of the season. Yeah, and then word is that Scott Frost at Nebraska is not going to survive. So, I mean, th- th- there's going to be some programs with. I mean, obviously LSU is at the top of the list in USC, but then I mean TCU you know, and Nebraska. The problem, the problem is, who do you hire? Because there's no. Dude. If, There's if, no slam dunk. No, oh, put this guy in and hire him to do it. And so that's a that's a huge problem, man. For, I I think Nebraska's jobs. I I think Dude, Nebraska I was, uh, is. I I think it benefited from Tom Osborne and just being hey corn fed corn bread that type of steroids. thing. Steroids. 
Right. I mean, honestly, <laughs> for real. No, and I, and I think in today's age where you can be connected to home, but you don't actually have to be at Nebraska. I, I don't know. I think Nebraska is the new Minnesota. And I say that in a sense that in the 1940s, Minnesota won three national titles and was a dominant program. Now Minnesota is just meh. And I think Nebraska, I, that's what they are now. I think they're an average program that every so often might might be able to have somebody that rises up and wins 10 games. But I think as wild as it is, because it's so easy to, to with social media and with technology to leave the state of Nebraska and not feel like you're far from home. I think Nebraska's done. Um, well, I, I think so too, but I think from a different standpoint, I, I just think there's, there's so many more, you know, their, their program was never built on Nebraska players. Their program was built on Texas and Florida and Jersey players. Well, they can't get a sniff of any of those dudes now, man. I mean, like, there's no reason to go play at Nebraska. No, if you none. Have, if, you, if you have options to play anywhere else. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's just no, no reason to go play there. And so I thought Scott Frost had a chance to turn it because he was the golden boy, yeah. because he was coming from yeah. Florida, because he had been a great player at Nebraska. He could get that Florida pipeline going. And he's had a lot of bad luck because he's lost a lot of one-score games. But they just haven't been able to get it flipped. Their problem is, okay, you fire Scott Frost. Who are you going to hire because he was supposed yep. to be the guy? Yeah, that's what I'm wondering. Who the hell wants to go to Nebraska? Like, you, I almost want to say just give him another – just keep trying to win with Scott because, you know, who do you think can come re- resurrect the program? I think they wish they never got rid of Bo Pelini. And he, Bo Pelini was winning nine games every year. Well, see, when you talk about that, I'm talking about that's the same thing I was trying to get at with TCU. It's okay if you want to get rid of the dude. Just understand that if you don't hit the hire, you can't. It can't get worse. Like most of these programs that used to have some, they think it can't get any worse. Nah, bro, it can get worse. <laughs> I mean, I'm not even BSing, man. When Urban Meyer leaves and they hire Ryan Day, I ain't paid no attention to Ryan Day. I'm like, yeah. I sure as hell hope y'all hit, y'all hit the right hire, and he can recruit. Otherwise, I mean, Ohio State's always going to be Ohio State, but there's a difference between being a good program and being a national championship contender. And if you don't hit it right, you know, hell, they were six and five before Urban the year before Urban showed up. Yeah. <laughs> so, but they hit it right, and so here they are. You know, you know, back as a national championship contender for the last few years. Yeah, it's very true. It's wild, man. It, it is a wild time. A lot of somewhat prestigious programs. I mean, LSU and UCA, USC, like I said, at the top of the heap, but there's going to be a lot of movement in college football that may create other movement. I mean, for instance, if James Franklin goes to USC, that opens Penn State for somebody to come in and take over. So we'll see how it plays out. We'll talk a little bit more college football in the next podcast, but we wanted to bust out this Cowboys one. Cowboys 6-1. and one. Six and one, man. All right, before before we go though, bro, I got I gotta ask you. This is yeah. one of your favorite days. Did you do anything for Halloween? Did you put candy out? I mean, what what'd you do? No, we didn't. Did uh, nothing. Turn the lights off and put a note on the door, don't bother me. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, it it was you know, the problem was is that we had talked about it and in years past, I mean the last five years we dressed up and, and we had gone deep elm a couple of times and We'd gone to Celestial Beer Works there in Dallas and, and hung out there because their anniversary party is every Halloween weekend. 
But this year it was like, okay, so we're going to get dressed up. Like we, we just don't have any friends here yet. Like we, we don't have like a group that we hang with. So I, I was like, I mean, what are we going to do? Just dress up for each other? I mean, <laughs> and we both just kind of laughed and we, we just were like, well, you know, I mean, it, that I will say when you move somewhere and granted, I had lived here before, but it, it's just a different realm. When you move somewhere, it takes a while because we don't have any, you know, my son lives in Texas, so I don't have a kid here or anything. And a lot of the times, I mean, that's how you make friends as an adult. You have kids and your kids hang out and then, oh, oh you become friends with the other parents. And so it's just, it's a different bit. And, and working in radio is a weird way to make friends because, I mean, you know this, like you go to the station, you may, any given day, you may only see three or four people. Yeah. That you spend time with because that's your show. That's the guys that you work with. And the other shows on your station, you rarely ever see because you're working different shifts. And then my yeah, lady, right. you know, she works from home, so she's not going anywhere and meeting anybody. So it's just we just haven't really met anybody yet. So it's kind of just me and her hanging out with each other. I feel you. Well, I, I went over to a friend's house tonight uh, because he had told me something. I said, I, I, I've never... Like, I've known him for a long time. I was like, but really? Because um, we were having a casual conversation. He said, oh, yeah. Um, I said, you do anything for, for Halloween? He goes, oh, yeah, we're going to have about 600 kids here. Damn. I said, what? See, wow. I had the exact same reaction. And so I said, what do you mean? He said, dude, we've been doing this for years, like 18 years, man. He goes, kids will start lining up at my house at like 530, man, because we just got a reputation for giving out candy. Holy crap. And so all these reactions you had, I had the same one. So I rolled through and I walked in, dude. I should have sent you this picture. I'll send it to you later. Maybe I'll put it up later. He had a legitimate, like, full garbage can that had been cleaned out because I saw him do it, uh, full of candy. Like, one of the big garbage yeah. cans, man. Wow, that's amazing. Like, the kind of like you sit outside on your curb. Like, they pick up for recycling, that big one. Full of candy. And that was before all the candy on the uh, countertop, like just boxes, like just boxes. Dude, I'd never seen that much candy, really. It's one person's house. That's incredible. And so he's giving out to these kids. I'm like, wow, man. So the game comes on and I'm, I, I went to his back room so I could work because I wanted to see this whole thing. And so I'm working and, uh, you know, I come out and it's about halftime, man, because I popped out at halftime. So that's what, you know, eight thirty, nine o'clock. Dude, the candy is gone. <laughs> Unbelievable. And I said, because what happened was I had ordered some DoorDash. So I opened up the door thinking <laughs> the DoorDash was out there. Yeah. And it was two trick-or-treaters. And I go, oh, oh, you guys want some candy. And I turned around and his son was like, candy gone, man. And I looked at the son. I'm like, the candy is gone? He said, yeah, candy been gone, man. It's been gone for like 30 minutes. Jesus. And I turned to them and said, I mean, y'all ain't gonna believe this, but there was a bunch of candy here earlier. But apparently, it's all gone. I guess that sucks for y'all. Um, yeah, I said it like that because they were like 12, 13. I thought yeah. they could handle it. That's all right then. But uh, yeah, bro, it was uh, it was the most amazing thing I'd ever seen. Golly, that's unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, Halloween here for the most part. I mean, we went out today and, and hit a couple of breweries, and you know, we didn't dress up or anything, but. You know, we'll, we'll try again next year because we enjoy Halloween, but it's more enjoyable when you have like somewhere to go or you have a group or a party or whatever. And, and you kind of enjoy each other's costumes versus just like, oh, cool. True that. I get it. 
It is what it is. And I'll tell you what it is. Cowboys are six and one. Hell yeah. We got Todd Archer on our next podcast. We got Ed Werder. We got Clarence Hill Jr. They're going to give us the latest on everybody on what the Cowboys are all about as we continue this week. But that's it. Cowboys six and one, a huge win. Cooper Rush, as my one friend texted immediately, I told you, I told you it's rush hour. <laughs> not kidding. I'm not kidding you. Oh, no, man. He's probably been waiting a lifetime. to drive He has. He's, he's been trying to tell me for years, it, they don't need to pay Dak. Cooper Rush can do this. And for one night, his dream came true. Thanks for listening to the Jam Session podcast. Make sure to find us on Instagram at Jam Session Cast. Of course, you can also find us on Twitter at McMatt Radio and at JJT underscore journalist. Our podcast is sponsored by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle so you'll have time for healing and renewal. Give them a call at 972-934-8900. Greening Law, Office, Dallas, Texas. Also brought to you by Hector Flores with Modern Woodman of America. Let him help you secure your family's future. You can give him a call at 940-453-3490. As always, thanks to Purple Elephant Music for the music you hear at the end and the beginning of each episode. He, of course, is the radio, TV, and now podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. And me, I'm just a guy, Matt McLaren. We'll catch you next time right here on the Jam Session Podcast, available everywhere you listen to podcasts.